Today I want to speak on a topic that's very similar to what we spoke about last week. And I titled this message, The Practicality of Holy Spirit Baptism. The Practicality of Holy Spirit Baptism. And I say that purposely because uh, last week was Pentecost Sunday. And uh, if you weren't here um, and you want to know a little bit more about Pentecost and how Pentecost changed everything, because truly it did, Pentecost was the coming of the Holy Spirit to live with men, to, to, to empower men differently than any other time in history. How Pentecost changed everything. Um, if you weren't here, I'd invite you to go back into our Facebook page, either mine or the church's, and, and listen to that message. Um, and it will help you understand more about Pentecost. Or you can go to our um, church website and you can listen to it on a podcast if you'd like to do that as well. But I encourage you to, to, uh, to do that. But today I want to continue to talk about the Holy Spirit and the role that he wants to play in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to be an active part of every believer's life. And so as we prepare to do that, I want to make a couple statements up front here because I want to make sure, I want to get us comfortable with this because the Holy Spirit can be uncomfortable to people. So let me make a couple statements. First of all, God loves you just the way you are. I want you to know that. He loves you just the way you are. And his most, his desire is more than anything else that, that you would have an active and growing relationship with him. That's really what he wants from you, is a relationship. And he also, with that, he desires to give you his best gifts. He wants to bless you right where you're at. He wants to bless you as you grow in him. And the way that you get his best is by seeking him, by spending time in your own personal prayer time, and your personal Bible study, that you're seeking him. And that you're seeking him more than you're seeking the gifts. Because we can get lopsided if we're not careful. We can seek the gifts more than the giver of the gifts. And so I want to talk about the fact that there's a very practical purpose for seeking the Holy Spirit. And like I said last week, the Holy Spirit baptism is a second supernatural experience following the first supernatural experience called salvation. Why do I say they're supernatural? Well, because neither one are possible without the supernatural grace and mercy of God. Jesus paid the price for our sin. He's the one that went to the cross. He's the one that bore the burden of paying our penalty. There's nothing that I can do to save myself. It only comes through the supernatural power of Christ. So salvation is a supernatural experience of receiving forgiveness of our sins because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And then after our salvation comes the supernatural second experience of the Holy Spirit baptism, that Jesus can give us, that Jesus is the baptizer. Both of these are proof positive that God is for us and not against us, that he desires a relationship with us more than anything else 
that he's ever created, he desires a relationship with his creation. That's you and I. So we have to recognize the times that we're living in. We are living in the post-Pentecost time period. Post means after. We are living in the post-Pentecost time period, meaning that Jesus lived 33 years on earth. He died around his 33rd year. He died and he rose again, and he ascended to heaven. What's he doing in heaven? He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's making intercession for us. Jesus is still actively involved with us, but Jesus and God the Father are in heaven. And when Jesus rose from the dead, God sent him, sent us, the Holy Spirit, when Jesus ascended to heaven. And he sent him to take Jesus' place as God's presence, active presence on earth. So the Holy Spirit is given to us to be a comforter and a guide and a teacher of all things. The Holy Spirit is the active agent of God today on the earth. I know we pray to God the Father and we pray to Jesus, but we do so through the power of the Holy Spirit because he's the agent that God has given. That's the way it's designed. Our relationship with Jesus and God the Father is only through the Holy Spirit. He, lo- he draws us. He woos us. He convicts us. He leads us. He teaches us all about Jesus who then takes us to the Father. And like I said last week, that the enemy has done a pretty good job, a very effective job, confusing the role and the purpose of the Holy Spirit today. The, the, the enemy has reduced the role of the Holy Spirit to be a minor player. And he becomes more of a point of confusion and more of a point of debate than the source of power that he really is. And the reason the enemy's done that is because he, he recognizes the power of the Holy Spirit. He recognizes that if the Holy Spirit is actively moving in this world today, that the enemy can't defeat that. The enemy can't stand against that. Now, the enemy can stand against me, and he can stand against you, but he can't stand against the power of the Holy Spirit in me or the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And so that's why he's causing a distraction and, and, and confusion and all kinds of disruption because the enemy knows that he's limited when the Holy Spirit is actively involved. Does that make sense? So the most important thing I want us to gain from last week's study and from this week's study on on talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all the gifts, it's that we understand it's the seeking, it's in the seeking that we find the gifts given to us. It's in the seeking that we find the gifts. And that we are to seek the giver of the gifts and not the gifts. Because as we're seeking God, our relationship grows as we seek God. And now recognize that I'm going to use the word, I'm going to interchange the word seeking God and Holy Spirit because it's just, I slip in that all the time. But really, we have to recognize that when I'm seeking God, I'm seeking the Holy Spirit. I'm seeking the Holy Spirit of God, right? 
So we have to recognize, and so if I interchange God and Holy Spirit, understand what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, who is our active agent on earth today. And the more I seek him, the more I find him. And as we seek him, Jesus promises that he will be the baptizer in the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. As we seek him, then Jesus will be the baptizer. And when he baptizes, he fills our desires and he provides for our needs more than anything else in this world could ever do. So the question I want to start with this morning is this. Are you seeking a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit? Are you seeking one? Because the gifts come as a result of the seeking. And as you seek the giver, he promises to fill. And as we seek the giver, that doesn't diminish the importance and the practicality of the application of the gifts. But the emphasis is always on the giver, not the gifts. Got to understand that. We got to make sure we understand that. That's why salvation is first and the gifts are second. That's why your most important day is your day of salvation, not the day of your infilling with the Holy Spirit. As important as that is, your most important day comes with salvation because that begins the process. That begins the next step. You see, we're created in the image of God. We're created in the image of the giver of the gifts. And the Holy Spirit was very active in that day. God was there. God formed man out of the dust. He bent down and he formed a man out of the dust. And then the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, bent down and breathed into that form of man of dust, and life came into man. The Holy Spirit is the giver of life. That was the way Adam and Eve were created. And what was their purpose in their creation? Their purpose was to have a relationship with God. Their purpose was to have a daily relationship with God where they would come down and they would walk through the garden and in the cool of the day, God would come out of heaven, come down to his created earth, and he would walk with them side by side in the cool of the day. And they would have communion. They would talk. They would have relationship. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 says it this way, that then the man and his wife, they heard, when they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That, that is when they hid, because this was the passage that said that they recognized that they had sinned. This was after that they had eaten of the fruit and they had sinned and transgressed against God and their guilt was made manifest to them because of the sin in their life. But the point here is that they were that God had a, a regular day, time of, of meeting with them. God would come down every day and walk with them. What does that mean for us today? Does that mean that God wants to come down and have a, a time with you as well? Yes, he does. He wants to come down and have a normal, regular time of communion with you and me every day. That's his desire. He created us that way. He wants to meet you daily. He wants to meet you 
at a regular appointed time. I, I know of one man, and I'm not this way. I, I wish I was, but I'm not. There was one man. I don't even remember his name. I remember reading about him. He was a pretty important man. And every day at 4 o'clock, he put on his time, his day timer at that point when I was reading it, his day timer, that at 4 o'clock he had his prayer time. And that was an appointment that he had with God every day at 4 o'clock. And this man was so important that he was invited in to come into the White House. And it was at 4 o'clock, and he says, I'm busy. I'm busy. I, I can make it at 3 o'clock. I can make it at 5 o'clock. But I, I have a 4 o'clock appointment that I can't make to your appointment. Because he felt his time with God was that important. That he put a timer on his clock, and he said, that's my time with the Lord. Boy, I wish I was that disciplined. Do you? Wish I was that disciplined? I'm sure you all do wish I was that. Do you wish you were that disciplined? Why does God want to have that time with us? Because there are things he wants to tell you. There are things he wants to share with you. He wants to give you wisdom and knowledge. He wants to give you strength and power. He wants to give you a whole variety of gifts that will help us live for him while we're living in enemy territory because we are living in enemy territory. The world, the God of this world is Satan and his demonic horde. And we're told that in scripture. And we're walking through enemy territory and God wants to come down and be an active part. The Holy Spirit wants to come down and be an active part of your day, helping you and I, helping you and me walk through victoriously in enemy territory. So what does God want to do? God satisfies. He satisfies those that are hungry and thirsty for him. He satisfies us. He's faithful in doing that. He can do that. That's what he does. John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water, he's talking to, now this is the lady, the, the lady at the Samaritan well, and this lady offered her, uh, Jesus, a, a cup of cold water from the well. And Jesus says, that water will leave you thirsty, but I offer you a water that you'll never thirst. And this is what he said. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, I know that she misunderstood that, thinking that she probably would never be physically thirsty again, and that wasn't the point. But we're talking about a spiritual water. We're talking about spiritual gifts. And let me just share something with you about this. Spiritual gifts are like natural water in this way. They both satisfy for the moment. But the gifts themselves aren't eternal. Let me just say it this way. The gifts aren't eternal, but the relationship with the giver is eternal. So if I'm seeking the gifts, I'm giving up the eternal of the relationship that I'd be seeking if I was seeking the Holy Spirit in relationship with him. Does that make sense? Because we can get the gifts too much of an emphasis. And if I make the gifts too much of an emphasis, I'm missing the point of what God's trying to do in my life. Yes, the gifts are good. And the gifts are important. But there's going to come a time when I won't need the gifts. There are going to come a time when the gifts cease, when the perfect comes. But that time is when I'm in heaven, when I'm face-to-face -face, 
face-to-face with God, when I'm face-to-face with Jesus, when I can see the Holy Spirit, when I can see the Trinity and I'm in relationship with them, then I don't need to have the gifts because I'm in, re- I'm in physical relationship with them. That's the perfect that the Bible is referring to. So the gifts aren't going to be eternal and that I don't need to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit or knowledge or wisdom or discerning of spirits. I don't need to have them when I'm with God. When I'm with him physically in heaven, I don't need them. But the only way I'm going to get there is when I have a focus on the relationship with the giver of the gifts. You see, you see what I'm saying? You see where I'm going with this? We're designed to grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit just as we are designed to grow up physically. No one is born an adult. No, we're all born cute little babies, infants, helpless. And we're to grow over time to become more knowledgeable and more able to function, being a human, and we are to grow up that way spiritually as well. And this takes time. And it takes diligent effort to desire to want more from God. We have to use our free will to make the choices to accept the gifts that the giver wants to give us. So we have to daily choose to seek the Holy Spirit. Because our flesh man and the enemy, like I've already said, the enemy is doing a very good job keeping us away from seeking the giver. He's doing a really good job in confusing this whole situation. It's never about us. I just want you to know that. It's never about us. It's always about our hunger for more of God. Our hunger for more of the Holy Spirit. That's the focus that I want to focus on today. God fills those that are setting aside their own selfish agendas and their own selfish desires so that we can be more like him. You know, and I've said numerous times, and you've probably heard it numerous times as well, that the gift of salvation is a free gift, right? There's nothing that we can do to deserve it. Nothing that we can do to earn it. So it's free. Yet, once I receive it, and if I'm going to grow into it, and if I'm going to maintain it, it will require everything of me. It will require that I'm a living sacrifice. Now, that sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Normally, sacrifices die. But we have to be a living sacrifice. And what that means is that there are some things in me that have to die. There's that flesh desire in me that has to die so that my spirit can live, so that I can be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And that's part of the seeking process that I'm talking about. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul says this. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, I urge you. I mean, listen to what Paul's saying here. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul is urging his followers to die to themselves, to be that living sacrifice. 
And that's the purpose of what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit helps us in our transformational process from desiring the things of this world into the conforming of living a life that is holy and pleasing to his Father or to God. Again, let me ask you a question. Does that make sense? Good. I hope you're following. Keep in mind, the, the Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit is only as active as we allow him to be in our life. We can shut him down. We can grieve him. We can say, enough. That's our choice to give him authority. And the more that I ask, the more that I seek, the more that he comes to be that change agent for me, that he's the one that supports me. Now, last week I mentioned that it was, it was normal. In the early church, it was a norm for people to get saved First, always get saved first, and then to be baptized in, in water and in the Holy Spirit, but not necessarily in that order. It was the normal thing. It was what they did. There was no confusion over it. They just did. That was the process. People got saved. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. They got baptized in water. Let me read this. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 and 48. I'll give you a couple examples. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 11, verses 15 through 17. As I began to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? So here the normal occurrence is that the Holy Spirit would convict of sin They would recognize their need for Christ, recognize their need for forgiveness, accept Jesus to be their Savior, and then without hesitation, without confusion, without debate, they were open to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That would be the second experience, supernatural experience, and then also to be Holy Spirit or to be baptized in water as well. You see, I believe the enemy was not ready for this. The reason I think that it was so easy then and so difficult today, because I will admit there are people now that I know of that have been seeking and haven't been filled, and I I, I get that. But then the enemy was taken by surprise because he had no idea what was happening. This newfound power of the Holy Spirit was not, he didn't anticipate it. And he was taken by surprise. But he quickly put together a strategy to bring confusion and, and, and disruption in people's believing strategy to slow down this world-changing movement that was happening. And therefore, that's why we have such debate today. We have such critical thinking today of why we should or shouldn't believe in the Holy Spirit, why we should or shouldn't believe in the gifts, why we should or shouldn't. Why? Why do we have those conversations why? Why do we not think that God would have all the best for us today as he did then? 
Why? Why? I, I don't get it. I don't understand why people are, are afraid of it. There's no reason to be afraid of it. He's a God that brings peace. Remember, God desires from us a daily pursuit of, of him. And the more that I pursue him, the closer I get to him. So, why do you think there's such a problem, a disunity here? I mean, in the early church, let me ask the question, why was it necessary for them to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives? I mean, was it just to make their worship services more exciting? Was it just to bring a sense of excitement to going to church? Was it to create an emotional high in their life? You know, I, let me just back up here. Um, we spent a number of years um, before I came to Charlevoix um, in, in Brighton, and I was part of the Church of God out of Cleveland, Tennessee, which is, a holy, which is the Pentecostal Church of God. And I will say that the Church of God is probably more emphasized on gifts and more um, interactive in services. And I don't say this in any way critical. I just say it as my observation. But I know that we could find ourselves getting more focused on what happened at the altar on Sundays than how I lived through the week. I could find myself looking for that emotional high of worship and praise and what happened on the altar. Even to the point of, and this I think is somewhat critical, even to the point of, if we had a really good emotional Sunday this Sunday, then next Sunday, uh, we tried to recreate it. He's got something new this week. And you know what? It may not be like last week. It may be quiet. It may be somber. It may be peaceful. Or it may be more. But we have to give him the authority to work. We have to give him the room to move, right, in our services. And so why is that? Because it's more important that I glean from my service, our service time on Sunday is the information that I have to have along with the experience that we, that we have so that I can be more powerful on Tuesday, not just Sunday morning at the altar. Does that make sense? That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to give education and we're trying to give Holy Spirit experience to be led by the power of God so that we can be more effective in our daily walk. The purpose of receiving all that God has for you and for me is to make you better equipped to live a more pleasing, a more powerful, a more victorious, a more effective, a more evangelistic, a more authentic, a much more closer relationship with God. And the key word there is more. The key word is more. Now, can a person live those attributes without the Holy Spirit in the second experience? Yes. I'm not saying that you can't. The Holy Spirit is not required for your salvation. I, just want, I don't want to put any pressure on you. I don't want to make this wrong. The Holy Spirit is, lives in you the moment you're saved, but the baptism, that second experience, gives you a more than what you had before. It makes you the best that you can be. It's the seeking heart of the person that's the key to what I'm saying today. 
A person that is seeking more of God will always be filled with the Holy Spirit. The person that is seeking more on a daily basis, on a regular basis, you will not go unfilled. However, a person that has had a one-time experience with God and, and is comfortable in their one-time experience that they had 10 years ago, that they've achieved a certain level of spirituality, so they call it, and they stop seeking more of God, well, that person will be emptied of themselves and not have that power to live in it on a regular basis as much as the person that is seeking. It's a seeking. It's, it's that constant need to recognize that I must be refilled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It is a refilling on a regular basis because we leak. <laughs> I remember that in the, remember the movie, The, Gr- the Grinch, uh, Stole Christmas, and he was crying. And he says, I'm leaking. So <laughs> sometimes we leak and we need to get refilled with the Holy Spirit. See, our salvation experience is really important, but we need to grow up and we, we need to mature in this new life. And as we seek the Holy Spirit's power, it gives him authority to work for us. What, the more I seek the Holy Spirit, the more power, the more authority I give him to work on my behalf. If I say, I've got enough, he'll say, okay, how's that going to work for you? If I've got enough, he won't, he won't force anything upon you. But he empowers us to choose the things of God over the things of this world the more that we seek. My Bible commentary says it this way. Instead of conforming to the world's values and lifestyles, our minds must continually be renewed and transformed to God's way of thinking. This is done through seeking the Holy Spirit's transformational power and by spending time in God's word. There's a process that we have to follow. The process changes us from the inside out, and it gives us a hunger for more of God and less of ourselves. And this is supernatural. That's the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in that he would give us a desire for more of God, more of the Holy Spirit, and less of me. That's what the early church was living. That's how they were living. That's why they could just walk in it such, in such an easy, natural process. And I will say that this is the practicality. This is why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives today. There's a practical nature. There's a practical reason why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not just to be Pentecostal, not just to have a name tag you put on, but the practical reason is that he gives us power and he gives us a hunger for more of him that is eternal. Somebody say amen. Because that's what it's all about. It's about having a relationship that never ends. And that's through Jesus Christ. You see, and this is why I can make this very bold statement. The baptism of the Holy Spirit makes me the best I can be, right, Pastor Leland? It, can make, it makes me the best I can be. And without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm not the best I can be. The baptism of the Holy Spirit makes me the best that I can be. The best that you can be. doesn't make me better than you. doesn't make you better than me. doesn't make us better than a church down the street. It makes me the best because it's an inside thing. It's a personal thing. 
And there should be no confusion or debate about this. There should be no confusion or debate about the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. It's drawing us closer to God, and it's exactly what God has purposed to do in the times that we live in. It's to make us more like Christ. It's to make us, it's to give us the mind of Christ. And that's exactly what Paul meant when he wrote this to the first Corinthians, or the church in Corinth in first Corinthians chapter two, verse 15 and 16. He says that the person, the person with the Holy Spirit, the person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. In other words, we can't, we can't get on that, that, that path on our own. The Holy Spirit leads us in the judgments and the thoughts. Verse 16, for, when, for, he, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? We can't do it on our own. But we have the mind of Christ when we have the Holy Spirit in us. When I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, see, that mind of Christ gives us the ability to see things the way God sees things. Then we can understand why God hates evil so much. Then we can understand why God loves righteousness so much. So the practicality of having this daily desire and a daily relationship and a daily seeking of the Holy Spirit is that we can have a heavenly mindset, that we can put on the mind of Christ, that we can be more like Christ. And that's why I'm stressing that we are to seek and desire the deeper relationship that the Holy Spirit brings us. Especially, guys, listen, we are nearing the end of time. I'll say it again. I believe 100% that we are in the end of the days. And I believe the enemy is doing everything he can to try to do, every, to, to do what he can to disrupt us, to disrupt unity in the church, and to take our minds off of Christ. We need the power of the Holy Spirit now more than ever if we're going to live successfully to the rapture. The rapture is the next big event that's happening. And the enemy's going to be out full force doing everything he can to destroy the church, to destroy people in the church. And the Holy Spirit's purpose is to lead us to Jesus and to teach us all the things that Jesus taught. That's his purpose. John fourteen fifteen through 17. If you love me, obey my commandments. This is Jesus speaking. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you the, another advocate, he, who, one who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you, you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So this is prior to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The disciples are saved. And now he's saying, if you really love me, then you're going to obey me and you're going to prove your love through obedience. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit will fill you more than what you have right now. That's the promise. So Jesus is setting up the practical role that the Holy Spirit will fill in the lives of people because the Holy Spirit is God's principal agent on earth today, and we need to have the relationship with him. I find it so interesting and challenging that Jesus makes it a very strong statement of the power of choice and power of free will. It's by our choices that we obey Christ or not. It's by our free will that we choose him or not. Then I've heard so many people say, well, I love Jesus. 
I love them. Yet by observation, I look at their life and I'm not so sure that they know what love is. I mean, I love pizza. And I love Jesus. But you know what? If I love Jesus, there will be an obedience in my life. If I truly understand love, there will be an obedience in my love, in my, in my life. Love equals obedience. John 14, 23 through 27, this is an important one. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and he will come and make our home with each one of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, hear me? The Father sends the advocate, the Holy Spirit, as my representative. That is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and, re- and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Another obvious practical role of the Holy Spirit is to teach us and to remind us to love and obey. And with that comes peace of mind and peace of heart. Man, isn't that what we want? Aren't we seeking peace in this life? Jackie, would you come please? You see, the peace of both the heart and the mind cannot be given by the world. The world gives a sense of peace, but it's not lasting. You might have a time of peace that the world could give, but it won't last. And you know what I'm talking about. So what we've been talking about this week, this week and last week, really is the whole secret of Holy Spirit living. And I will say there should be no stress here. There should be no striving here. There should be peace in your heart. There should be a contentment. There should be a hunger for more of God, but it shouldn't be stressful. If it's stressful, then you're, then you're not dealing with it correctly. You're dealing with the enemies playing games with you. If there's stress in your life, it's not a, from God. The Holy Spirit gives peace of heart and a peace of mind. So summarizing here, what we're to do is that we are to seek the giver with all of our heart. Seek the giver with all of our heart. And as we do, he is faithful to give the gifts that we need. He knows what you need. He's totally aware of your life. He knows the aches and pains. He knows the heartache. He knows how to fill you. Seek him and he will fill. Secondly, that he comes to be a practical counselor and a guide. He comes to give good instruction. He comes to give wisdom. Holy Spirit wisdom, heavenly wisdom, not earthly wisdom. There's a big difference between earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. And then he comes to give peace of mind and heart. Life can be complicated. The Holy Spirit is a peace giver. The Holy Spirit will comfort you in your sad moments. The Holy Spirit will comfort you in those times of confusion your choice. Are you going to receive him? There's no reason to fear him. There's no reason to reject him. He provides rest for the weary. If we will seek him with our hearts, he's the giver of all good things for those that diligently seek him with an open heart. 
So here, let me, ask, let, me end, let me end this way. Again, let me ask the question. Are you seeking a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit? Are you seeking? We're going to have communion today. I want to pray first. And I just want to have Jackie and Tom lead us in a worship course. And I want to give us all the opportunity to seek. This is personal. But it's critical. Where are you this morning? Where is your heart this morning? If you need to be forgiven, you can be. Pastor Rip used the big D word earlier, that deserve word. Yet none of us deserve anything but death. But because Jesus forgives us, he frees us from that death that we deserve. So as your your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to just give everyone an opportunity, first of all, to make sure Jesus is his Savior. That's the first step. That's the first supernatural step is salvation. If Jesus is your Savior today, you can make him your Savior by just simply saying, Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the things that I've done. I'm sorry for my lack of faith. I'm sorry for my rebellion. Please forgive me. Come, Holy Spirit, live in me. I receive you today. But then secondly, after that comes the desire for more. More of the Holy Spirit. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to just open this time. You can pray where you're at. If you want to move around, you want to come to the altar, you can. But we'll take a couple minutes here before we have communion just to give us all an opportunity to experience all that God has for us. Jackie and Tom, would you lead? Stand with me, if you will. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No
Father, we just thank you so much for this day today. We thank you for all that you mean to us. And Lord, I pray that you give us all a supernatural desire to have more of you. Lord, that you will just go with us as we go to our homes today, that the spirit that's in this place would go with us, that we wouldn't leave it here, that we would take it with us, and we would it would draw us daily into a, a deeper relationship with you. It would give us a hunger for you, Holy Spirit, that you would dwell with us as we victoriously live the life ahead of us until the day that you come. And we look forward to that day. And we just ask this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Be blessed. Be blessed today.